Hour number three of the John and Leah show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. This is the program where we talk about the news of the week and events of our often bizarre lives and where we provide you with a three-hour oasis of honesty and rationality in the desert of insanity and deceit, which is the American media, cultural, and political landscape. Most of this hour is going to be devoted to the uh, my crusade on the Penn State Joe Paterno case and the media's renewed interest, which is somewhat tangentially related, I'll explain why, in the Jean Benet Ramsey case. Weird. Um, which Lee and I are both uh, interested in discussing. Also may talk a little bit about the Emmys, and we'll get to maybe a little OJ, you know, People versus O.J. Simpson talk in before the hour is over, because that did very well in the Emmys, and I think deserved to do so, but something happened there that I wanted to mention if we have time. But before we do any of that, we would be really remiss if we didn't at least mention that there was the greatest email dump yet in the history of email dumps <laughs> this week because Colin Powell, former Secretary of State under George W. Bush. Uh, and a total Democrat. Pretending to be a Republican. Right. Correct. And we've got to remember, in 2008, it's, this is really important because in my movie, Media Malpractice, How Obama Got Elected, this is, this is at least a minute or two of the movie, is what a big deal the media made of Colin Powell endorsing Barack Obama, as if this oh, was yes. a shocker. Oh my gosh, a Republican has has endorsed Barack Obama. They basically that was the end of the election in the media's mind. Well, we now find out later. Oh, gee, shocking! Uh, the guy's actually a liberal Democrat. Uh, which Correct. Not a, not a surprise. But there were some fascinating elements of the emails. We don't have enough time to get into all of them. But Leah, why don't you share a little bit of that with us? Okay, so the former Secretary of State Colin Powell did confirm this week that emails that have been made public were indeed hacked from his computer system. Now, in the emails, he wrote about his frustration over Hillary Clinton trying to pin her email shenanigans on him, and he also referred to her as one who screws up everything she touches. He said in an email to Jeffrey Leeds of Leeds Securities that... And here's the quote. I would rather not have to vote for her, although she's a friend I respect. A 70-year-old person with a long track record, unbridled ambition, greedy, not transformational, with a husband still... (laughs) I can't say that word. D. It begins with a D. Still D-ing bimbos at home. <laughs> oh, and by the way, that phrase, D-ing bimbos, right. became a huge trending hashtag. Of course. Of course. It doesn't get any better than that. That's really, in this day and age where everybody's lying about everything, the only way you even have a chance to get to the truth is when people's emails get hacked. That's uh, right. And and by the way, for the record, he also called Trump a national disgrace. He did. Um, and look, I, one of the things I wanted to say about this is, whatever, it appears now that we don't even debate whether or not it's appropriate for the news media to to widely disseminate and report on 
illegal hackings of personal email. That's right. That scares me. I mean, I, I understand that in this day and age, you know, with these alternative websites, it's going to get out there uh, in some way, shape, or form. But to me, the news media is effectively enabling and doing the job of the hackers by by taking these. This is illegal. This is an illegal act. And they're giving the hackers exactly what they want. And no one seems to care. That's startling to me. The other element of this is I loved watching on Twitter conservatives and liberals both cherry picking the Colin Powell emails for their own purposes, for their own selfish political purposes. And liberals especially made me laugh because liberals have had a bizarre relationship with Colin Powell over the years, right? He's gone from hero to goat, from hero to goat, hero to goat. (laughs) So many times it reminds me, I don't think you're a baseball fan, but baseball fans will appreciate that. You know, George Steinbrenner hired and fired Billy Martin as his manager, like 12 times. A million times. That's basically what liberals have done with Colin Powell, making him hero, goat, hero, goat, hero, (laughs) goat, depending on the circumstances. And uh, And and here he hates everybody. Right. So now this week he was both, both hero and goat, depending on which email you wanted to cherry pick. All right, so I did want to at least mention that. When we come back, I've referenced numerous times before that, for better, for worse, mostly for worse, I've given most of the last four-plus years of my life to the crusade for truth in the so-called Penn State Joe Paterno, Jerry Sandusky case. You probably heard a lot in the news this week about Penn State honoring, quote-unquote, Joe Paterno this week and the 50th anniversary of his first game at Penn State. And uh, I, Leah wanted me to revisit something that I, I effectively broke on this program, which is quite a, an amazing revelation regarding the case. At uh, the very end of the show, right. and you took two minutes to do it. Right. So we'll do that. I want to revisit it, have get a little more reaction from Leah, also explain why what you heard in the media this week was a giant steaming pile of dung. Uh, we'll do that and then also get to John Bonet Ramsey case when we return on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. John and Leah show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. And uh, Leah, this uh, bumper music, Holding Out for a Hero, is particularly appropriate considering the next subject matter. Because, oh, yes, for sure. Because for the last almost five years, I have been holding out for a hero. Somebody, please be a hero. Good when luck it, with that. When it Exactly. When it comes to a story to which I have devoted, for better or for worse, mostly for worse, most of my life over that time period, which is the so-called Penn State Joe Paterno, Jerry Sandusky scandal, about which you probably heard some bullcrap news this week because there was a, a, a fairly significant, although very much overblown, development in that story. But because of that, I want to I want to revisit it. I've talked about it from time to time on this program. I actually hesitate to do so because I fully realize I have zero objectivity when it comes to people's interest in this story. Uh, because yes, I, but this is very interesting. Well, it is. Oh, Lee, Lee, I wouldn't be able to. I have no connection to Penn State. In fact, I now despise Penn State. Uh, so, uh, you know, 
if it wasn't a fascinating situation, it would never have held my interest. I mean, you know how um, Asperger's-like I can be when I dig my teeth into something, but even I couldn't last for almost five years unless it was fascinating. Here's the base. Here's the really short version of the story for those who have forgotten or, or might not be familiar. Almost five years ago, Joe Paterno, the, mo- the winningest coach in the history of college football, got fired five days after Jerry Sandusky, his former assistant coach, hadn't been assistant coach for a decade, uh, was arrested on child molestation charges. When that happened, my BS detector was off the charts. Okay, it, right. it was as it was as high as it possibly goes. These go to eleven. Yeah, this one was to eleven. Okay, because the story we were told made no damn sense. Now I presumed the Jerry Sandusky part of this was accurate. Okay, because I'm thinking there must be they fired Joe Paterno. <laughs> they couldn't possibly do this over nothing. It's not possible, right? So I start looking into it, but not like full time at first. And I wrote some articles right away that said, guys, this doesn't seem right. And are you sure you got this right media? Because, cause you're really going off the deep end here. You're destroying a legendary life. And, and of course he dies two months later, Joe Paterno does. And Jerry Sandusky seven months later is convicted. And then the free report comes out and the free report says, Oh, Penn State knew about this all, and they covered it up, and it's outrageous, and the NCAA comes in, and they basically do everything but shut down the football program. And at that point, I'm like, okay. I, and I'll never forget this, the day the free report comes out. Because I, at this point, I'm pretty convinced this is bullcrap. But I haven't done a full investigation yet. And my wife comes in during the <laughs> free report press conference, and she says, so how does it look? I said, it looks really bad, but I still not buying. And she goes, well, you're the only one. <laughs> you're, you're it. You're on an island by yourself on this one, buddy. I said, I know, but I, it just doesn't make sense. sense. And there's no evidence here. There's none. Because if you actually read the report, there's nothing. So anyway, long story short, I make a short movie called The Framing of Joe Paterno, which you can find for free at YouTube. A couple different versions of it. I wrote a couple online books. I interviewed Jerry Sandusky not once but twice in prison. I went on the Today Show not once but twice to do major interviews with Matt Lauer. And as I got deeper and deeper and deeper, everything made no sense. Nothing. The whole story made no sense. And I started to go deeper and deeper and deeper. And I wanted to be wrong. I desperately wanted to be wrong. I didn't want this. I I wanted no part of this. Right. You went to interview a pedophile. In a maximum security prison for three and a half hours, and I recorded it illegal. Well, I don't know if it was illegal. Against the rules of the Pennsylvania State Prison on a pen, I recorded it because I knew no one would give a crap if, if, if like I was Like James just, Bond. Right. It was like a James Bond pen, which I, which I then super glued accidentally, uh, and it not, not allowing me to get to the audio, so I had to bust the pen. That caused a massive head. I mean, the whole thing. If, if this case ever gets solved, this is going to be the greatest freaking story ever told, right? <laughs> and I'm giving you the, the very, very tip of the iceberg. So anyway, long story short, over the years, there's been a lot of progress made on, on redeeming Joe Paterno. Okay, for the last several years, everything that's happened has been in his favor, factual-wise. Not that the media has paid that much attention, except for people like Bob Costas, who has. But other than that, you know, the media has kind of been like, well, gee, that didn't make sense. That doesn't fit. That doesn't fit. But we're still sure we were right. We're still sure we were right. 
And then this a couple months ago in May of this year, I believe it was, all of a sudden, all hell breaks loose because the media finally found what they thought was the smoking gun that Joe Paterno really was involved in a cover-up of Jerry Sandusky's sex abuse crimes. They found a one line in a judge's opinion in a case involving Penn State trying to be reimbursed for the almost $100 million that they gave to Sandusky accusers. And the judge says, oh, by the way, there's two guys in the 70s, I'm paraphrasing, who say that they told Joe Paterno, shouldn't that impact whether or not (laughs) Penn State uh, is reimbursed by the insurance company? And based on that alone, the news media goes bananas. Bananas. I mean, no investigation, nothing. All they need is that one line, and it's... Uh He knew! He knew! Headlines everywhere. As if God himself, in all seriousness, if God had placed a tablet on the top of a mountain and had a lightning strike and said that's what happened, the media could not have been more certain that this was true. And, And of course, the whole time, I'm knowing, and I know in my brain this isn't true. I know in my heart it's not true. I know in my gut it's not true. I know even more that it's not true. Because I have, all this time, a guy involved in the Penn State settlement process who came to me as a wannabe fake Sandusky accuser. A plant. A plant. Because as you know, Leah, when I dive in, I dive in. you're going all the way. I go all the way, all right? I don't do it (laughs) half-assed. Uh-uh. When I'm on a crusade... Pack a lunch. Okay. You'll stop at nothing. If it needs, if I need to get arrested, I'll get arrested. If I just need to get handcuffed and detained and released, I'll do that too. Hey, that's, you've done that too. Right. But let's just make sure that everyone knows that this is a fake. A total fake. All right. This is this is what happens. A guy comes to me and says, um, I know Jerry uh Sandusky. I know this is all bullcrap. I know Joe Paterno. I know this is all bullcrap. I went to the trial. I know this is all bullcrap. And um, what do I do? So I said, well, why don't you go to the most prominent attorney in the case and see what happens and tell him you were a victim? (laughs) And he says, okay. And I said, by the way, you know, if you happen to tape it, that might not be a bad With a pen. (laughs) (laughs) If you happen to tape it, I'm not telling you to tape it. But if you you know but. if you happen to tape it, that would be helpful because my suspicions are that what we're going to find is that this is a scam and that you're going to be embraced. Well, lo and behold, this guy Hello. goes and not only is he believed, not only is he embraced, he is manipulated. His mm. Location is changed of his story. By the way, his story was preposterous. I had nothing to do with creating the story because I wanted to be as organic as possible. So his story is ridiculous on its face. Completely believed, but they didn't like the location. So they changed the location to get it on Penn State's campus so that they would be be more eligible for Penn State money. Wow. He's, he's He's gone to this lawyer, I don't know, a dozen times, probably gone to his therapist more than a dozen times. It's all on tape, um, and I'm and here I am knowing all this, and all this bullcrap story is out based on these bogus settlements, and I can't do anything about it, and I'll explain why when we come back on the John and Leah Show. 
John and Leah show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. Our website is freespeechbroadcasting.com. If you'd like more information on the story that we've been discussing for the last several minutes, which is the entire Penn State Joe Paterno, Jerry Sandusky fiasco that the news media has completely and totally blown from day one, go to my website, framingpaterno.com. That's framingpaterno.com. The framing is figurative. It's not literal. This is not a conspiracy theory. In fact, I'm the only non-conspiracy person in the whole case, which is another element of this whole thing, Leah, that drives me up a wall because everyone okay. always presumes I'm the conspiracy guy, and I'm not. Right. I'm the one that's saying there was no conspiracy. Okay, but my question to you. Yeah. Only all one? Of this, only one? Yes. <laughs> well, this, this one. All of this is on tape. Okay, for the record, for those just joining us, yeah. What I have is a fake victim going to the most prominent attorney in in the case, who or one of them, and uh, it's all on tape. Him discussing with the attorney and his therapist hours and hours, uh, them believing him hook, line, and sinker. This fake accuser, them manipulating him. They've even referenced him talking about repressed memory therapy, which is. Ugh. A, a bullcrap concept that's been discredited in court with some of the other accusers apparently used in this case. So, yeah. So it's all on tape. Why is it not all over the media? Okay. Well, this is herein lies the rub. And, and part of the reason why this case is so important and goes so far beyond Penn State Joe Paterno or Jerry Sandusky. I mean, it goes it, right to the heart of the media. Exactly. This This story, I could not have... I could not. If I had been on drugs for a week, hallucinogenic drugs, I could not have created or shrooms. concocted. You're right. I could, not have, I could have been on shrooms for a week and not concocted the story to better illustrate how utterly, totally broken the news media is in every possible way than this one. They were not equipped to deal with it. Okay, It's a tsunami. Right. They, because no one checked the math. It was only me who was stupid enough to go into the tsunami and go, wait a minute, I'm gonna wait, I'm gonna wade through all this crap and look for what really happened and let me do the math because this doesn't feel like it's adding up properly. And I was right. It didn't add up. And this fake accuser proves that. By the way, for those who are wondering, well, John, what if this is only one? Aren't there, you know, thirty-two other guys who who have made the same uh, allegation? Yes, but here's the deal. If you understand the full case, and most yeah. no one does. Uh, and victim number one. Right, if you, need, if you go through the timeline and you understand my theory, which is not conspiracy at all, it's basically one kid with his mom concocting a lie for money. One guy, the assistant coach Mike McQueary, who supposedly saw a sex act, which he didn't, being manipulated by investigators 10 years after the fact, I believe partially because McQueary was terrified that they knew that he had been sending pictures of his penis through a Penn State phone to a woman, not his wife. Uh And I have proof of that. Uh, As well as the fact that he had gambled on Penn State football games while playing as quarterback for Penn State. So here's a guy who is very vulnerable to manipulation and is being told 
10 years later, there's this investigation of Jerry Sandusky into child sex abuse. Any normal human being would go, oh, holy cow. Jerry is a pedophile? That event I saw in a year I can't remember and a date I can't remember that I thought happened after 9-11, which actually happened before 9-11, that must have been really horrible because that's these investigators. They seem like they know what they're talking about. So he gives them what they want. Once you get the one liar for two years, no one followed. He was the only accuser in the case for two years. They couldn't find it. Once you have the liar and once you have the witness, everything just falls into place. because. Because now you have the two pillars, and now they can go to hundreds of at-risk kids who had been part of this Second Mile charity who are all from broken homes. They all, uh, most of them probably don't have jobs. They're all in horrible lives to begin with. And you go fishing in that pond, and guess what? If you try, let's say just use 100 as a round number, you fish for 100. You're going to catch a couple of guys that are going to go, sure, I um, need some millions. Yeah, um, tell me more about this. Um, yeah, Jerry, Jerry was weird. Um, what, what what are the other guys saying? What what are they saying? Oh, yeah, yeah, he did put his hand on my knee when we were driving a lot. Yeah, yeah, um, let me think about this. You know, let me, let me hear some more about what the other guys are saying. And then it becomes a search for the Loch Ness Monster. That's what this case is. It's the Loch Ness Monster. This is not a conspiracy. Everyone becomes convinced that there's a Loch Ness Monster. Mm -hmm. And by the way, I'm convinced from these tapes that the lawyer that this fake accuser went to, I think he really believes there's a Loch Ness Monster. (laughs) And and so so he believes that there's a Loch Ness Monster. And so therefore, anything it takes... To get the Loch Ness Monster, no, oh, by the way, get the money that Penn State's giving away for free. By the way, it's important right. to point out, state school, not a corporation, not an individual. This is a bunch of PC liberals giving away other people's money. They're not all liberals, but they effectively might as well be. They're just trying to make this thing go away. Go away. Go away. Yeah, they just want to squash it. Take a check. Just go. Leave. And there's, there's no vetting to this at all. To answer your question about why I can't come forward and why this proves the media, see- If I was in a situation where the news media was even remotely fair to my side of the case, I mean, even remotely, forget about being on my side, if they even were willing to give my side a remotely fair hearing, and if I had support from even the basic people who should support me, like anybody in the state college Penn State community, they should all be supporting me, but they don't because they bought into a PC narrative. They they don't want to be accused of enabling a child molester again. They went through that once. It was a nightmare. So Right, but why can't this guy come forward? Because he will get destroyed. See, the, the news media only protects people who do these types of things when they agree with them. Perfect example. You know what changed my mind on how to handle the whole fake accuser thing? Those tapes involving the Planned Parenthood organization. Remember? those? Ah, uh, yes. The Planned Parenthood organization people got eviscerated. Because yes, they did. They had, and, by the way, got uh, labeled with, like, criminal stuff. Exactly. So, and why was that? See, that normally would be considered great investigative journalism. Holy Absolutely. cow. Absolutely, yeah. It, but it didn't conform to what the media wanted the narrative to be. 
And that's, that's right, because not... killing babies right. is what the media loves. And in and, and that situation, at least they had pro-lifers on their side. I got nobody. <laughs> I, got, I got nobody, which is bizarre because I'm the only one. No, that... you've got like 10 people there. Okay. Actually, it's more than that. Believe it or not, there are, there are thousands of people. I mean, all my videos get thousands of views. Uh, there, there are a lot of people who not, they aren't willing to say it publicly, but Trust they me. They wanted to get you out of jail. Yeah. Well, the, the real, here's the reality, okay? The reality is I don't have nearly the support, and the media would destroy me. And I, from my own arrest, where I got totally screwed, uh, where I did nothing wrong, my arrest in the Matt Sandusky situation should have been a cause celeb for free speech and journalism, and instead I was the bad guy. And this, and the media matters because it creates leverage or lack thereof in any situation. I'll give you a perfect example. Gloria Allred, who is a horrible human being, did effectively the same thing with a Bill Cosby concert that I did with a Matt Sandusky speech. She got barred from going. She just settled for $45,000. Meanwhile, I got arrested, beat up, and had to cop to a bullcrap fine for $100 and pay $5,000 in, in lawyer's fees plus travel expenses. It cost me probably six grand, and I'm on the right of this of the story and glory all red because she's a semi celebrity and because you know then they were afraid of the news media they paid her off so the, yeah i think he should have sued anyway okay that's a separate i i, I can't because because there's no i have no leverage there's the media no one wants any part of it it's toxic beyond comprehension that's and true everybody who touches this thing you know they end up getting harmed including me and so nobody wants to touch it. So is the risk worth worth the reward? And right now, it's not. It is not worth it. It's not worth it to me. It's not worth it, especially with a kid and a potential another kid coming in Correct. soon. It's not worth it to the fake accuser who's, if there any, and I don't know whether any crimes have been committed or not. Uh, and, and our intention was never, ever, ever to steal any money. It was just simply to expose what a sham the what whole big, thing is. Yes, exactly. And so, and he might be, you know, more, far more culpable. I have no idea for sure uh, legally than I would be. I don't want to put him at risk. I don't want to put myself at risk for a cause that is lost and that will get drowned out. Now, if something changes, see, this is what I'm, I'm looking for a weather change. Okay, all right. If suddenly somehow. The, the weather changes. The wind isn't blowing 100 miles an hour in my face. Okay? I'm not asking for the wind at my back. I'm just asking for it not to be not hailing. Not to be slamming you in the face. Right. I, I'm just looking for not 100 miles an hour in my face with hail. Okay? If I get, if, if, and I don't anticipate that happening because I've expected from a long time ago I was going to lose here. But I felt like this was worthy of the fight. Uh, and I wasn't going to go down until I did absolutely everything I possibly could. And I have. Uh, and I have proven the case beyond any shadow of a doubt in my mind that this whole thing is a scam. And if you look at, at any of the, what I have at framingpaternal.com and you don't agree, well, I'm sorry. I realize most people aren't going to be open-minded about it because this is a very emotional issue. I get that. Um, and But most of the time, and when it came to this week with Joe Paternal being honored at the 50th anniversary of his first game at Penn State, the only argument the other side gave was, what about the victims? What about the victims? And I'm like, 
Okay, that's like the telltale sign you one either have no evidence or you don't know the case. And I look, I get that people are emotional, but that's not that is not a rational response to destroying someone's entire life who's dead, that there's no evidence they had anything to do with this, and I don't believe anything actually happened for them to even know. So, um, and, and, and let me tell you about these victims. I mean, I, I'm going to be as PC as I can be, but the, these guys, uh, if you look at their Facebook pages, um, they're enjoying life. Oh, they're, yes. They, they've all got fancy sports cars. They all drive in, um, a lot of them drive motorcycles, which I find interesting. A lot of them are gamblers, which I find interesting. I think that there's a connection between their willingness to take risks and their willingness to be an accuser in this case. You see what I'm going with this? I do. That if you're a gambler, I mean, I'm talking big-time gambler, and you're driving motorcycles and sports cars, that's a certain mentality. Uh, that I think is consistent with someone who goes, you know what? Let me roll the dice on this. <laughs> this 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 might be worth it, and uh, and it has been it has been worth it to the tune of ninety three million dollars to mm. people who I do not believe were ever sexually abused. But the news media cannot possibly tolerate that Let narrative because yeah. they have put all all their chips on the on on black, and it's actually red. If this was a roulette wheel, it, they put them all on black, and it's actually red, and and there's there's no evidence to support black, but they don't care because evidence doesn't matter. They got their narrative. They're a five year old on Christmas. You can't tell them anything different. They believe in Santa Claus, come hell or high water. So anyway, as you can expect, this has been exceedingly frustrating to me, exceedingly. But I'm just curious, what is your general reaction when you heard the story of the fake accuser? I thought it should just go national. But you're you're thinking like this is a normal case. This is not a normal case. There's nothing about this case that is normal. This is this is the big lie theory. This is Hitler's big lie theory. The bigger the lie, the more likely people will believe it and everyone will be afraid to disprove it. This is why as children we were taught the story of the emperor with no clothes. I'm the only guy who was willing to both, well, I was able to see, because of where I was in the story, that the emperor had no clothes. And yeah. I was the only guy with the balls to go, um, the emperor's got no clothes, folks. And you would think that was great news. Because I'm the one saying, hey, Well, I mean, you've told, you've told Matt Lauer twice. Matt Lauer's investigated this whole thing. I mean, you know, why don't you call him and tell him? No, there's no risk-reward. There's, and I'm in touch with Bob Costas on a fairly regular basis. And Bob, I think, knows the basic score. And he was integral in this whole thing because of his interview with Jerry Sandusky. But no one, there's, no one has a risk-reward ratio here. There's, it's all about keeping the gig. This is, this is a story that can lose you your gig faster, well, than, almost, faster than almost anything. Because that's true. it's that toxic. So anyway, framingpaterno.com if you want more information. Um, when we come back... John Benet Ramsey. What's with the media's obsession with John Benet Ramsey all of a sudden on the John and Leah show? This is the final segment of this edition of the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. Our website is freespeechbroadcasting.com. That's where you can check out the podcast for the John and Leah Show every Monday morning. 
So uh, go to freespeechbroadcasting.com if you want to revisit any of this program or any of our prior programs over the year plus. In our final few moments, I, I want to address the John Bonet Ramsey case, which has been getting a bizarre amount of media coverage. And tonight on right. CBS, uh, there is a special that apparently has the case trending pretty high on Twitter and, and, and bizarrely has a, a connection to the, to the Penn State case. And to me, there's always the six degrees of John Ziegler, remember? Yeah, that's uh, true. This special uh, stars a guy by the name of Jim Clemente, who is the media likes to pretend is an esteemed uh, former FBI investigator. And uh, I thought, what is he really? He's a complete and total buffoon and a fraud. Um, and I know this because I've I've probably spent at least three or four hours speaking with him on the phone and in person about the Penn State case because he was hired by the Paterno family to in the in the worst money ever spent by anybody because effectively Jim Clemente's analysis doomed Joe Paterno for all time because Jim Clemente believes that no man would ever lie about sex abuse for money. The fact, wow. that he, the fact that he himself has been sexually abused, I'm sure, has nothing to do with that analysis. But that's Jim's view. And I, what I found was Jim has not a clue about the facts of the case. So, and, and, and interestingly, Jim also believes that Amanda Knox is innocent, which I think is ridiculous. I think she's guilty. And he apparently believes that John Bonet Ramsey's parents are innocent, although I don't know, obviously, since I haven't watched it yet, what the results of this bizarro reality TV-like special on the John Bonet Ramsey case is. But for, for for my money, Jim Clemente has been wrong about every case that he's ever been involved with. And as far as John Bonet Ramsey, what bothers me, Leah, and I know you were interested in this case because you were living in Colorado when it happened. I live. I was living in Denver when this happened in Boulder. Right, and so this was 20 years ago. And by, by the way, it's not even the exact anniversary. The anniversary is Christmas. This yes. happened on Christmas. So it's weird that all these shows are coming out now. This is the little girl who was the, the beauty pageant girl who mm-hmm. was you know, a, allegedly found in the, the, the house of the Ramseys, this rich couple in Boulder, Colorado, uh, you know, apparently suffocated and hit over the head, and she was murdered. And... What what bothers me about this is this revisionist history because because the narrative the narrative that the media the reason why the media loves this story is one it's got a pretty little girl and who doesn't like mm-hmm. a pretty little girl right and now because the Ramseys are no longer with us they can one pre- of them is well no well Patsy isn't so right so so because Patsy Ramsey is no longer with us the the, the media can pretend see that's a narrative that no one likes no one likes the parent killing the kid either by accident or on purpose narrative. No one likes that. But the mysterious intruder on Christmas taking the pretty girl, that's a narrative people can buy into. And what bothers me about this from an evidentiary standpoint is that every single one of these specials that I've seen so far, I haven't seen all of them, they ignore the elephant in the room. And the elephant in the room in this case is that there was a long ransom note that was written on a pad of paper from in the house in the house and she was left in the house and there was another ransom note that had started and was thrown away right there is you you can't you can't get out of the batter's box Mm-mm. arguing that anybody but the parents 
did slash covered this up unless and until you can explain that. And no one even tries. They now, like, pretend it never even... Oh, by the way, there was this ransom note. We don't think for sure that Patsy wrote it. And let's just forget that that ever happened. I'm sorry. There is no possible way that an, an intruder on Christmas... What? Now, wait a minute. It was snowing. Yeah. It had snowed. There were no footprints right. anywhere this, outside the house. The bottom line is you wouldn't have the ransom note. And you would have a massive amount of evidence of some intruder. You wouldn't have a stray piece of DNA. Trust me, no. as as a, as a dad of a four-year-old girl, one stray on a pair of panties doesn't mean anything. <laughs> because that, those panties are all over the place. <laughs> on that note, that's the end of the program. Leah, great to talk to you as always. We'll talk to you next you week. Too. My name is John Ziegler. This is the John and Leah Show. Till next time. So long, everybody.